You think you can fix everything, change everything, but there will come a day when things cannot be fixed. And you know what? It will be a day just like today. That was written by an American Indian elder, quoted by Kent Nurban, Thoughts on the Dakota Access Pipeline, 2016. The 23rd of August, 2017. I got out of bed very early this morning and read through what I had already written to you. It does sound dreadful. And it is dreadful. It is much more serious than we have been led to believe, and we all have to act now. But having said all of that, I do not want you to think that I am going to be writing all doom and gloom. To the contrary, life here at the Rise, that's the name of our house, is full of very lively and sometimes hilarious events. As I explained yesterday, I shall be writing everything to my great-great-grandchildren, who after all will be the beneficiaries of the way we as a family live our lives now. But you, my dear friends, out there in the world, both known and unknown, are also welcome to read it and join me in the silent but powerful Genesis movement. So, to you all and to my dearest great-grandchildren, I do not want to be writing an apology to you because of the way we lived back in 2017. I do not want to leave you the legacy of a treeless world bereft of wildlife with only pictures of species that have now become extinct. A world that cannot enjoy the summers outdoors that we did because the particulates in the atmosphere now block out the sun and where it would be dangerous to sit outside to watch the birds because there is no protective canopy. And anyway, what is the point? There will be no birds. Hospitals will be full of people with skin cancer, which would be far more common than in my day, and people suffering from malnutrition and diseases caused by insufficient clean water. It sounds like hell, doesn't it? But unless we stop the way we have been living now, this will be the way it will be, and we will have done it to you. But it does not have to be like that if each family became dedicated to change their small world. Together we could change the world for the better, restore and renew it for you. We do not have to go on marches or do multinational media broadcasts. It can all happen locally. Everybody has a locality and they all add up to a town and then countries and then the world, all working quietly in the hearts of their family life. If we support each other and put pressure on our governments, put pressure on our schools and every resource that we use and resources that need us, we could change things and start to turn back the clock. How wonderful for you our great-great-grandchildren, to have the summers of our great-grandparents. Adley Abbey, Andy Lester and Andy Atkins of Arusha suggested putting pressure on our churches to encourage them to become eco-churches. Arusha supports churches that embark on this process. There are awards for standards of progress and they will supply literature and any information or help required to get started. So let's get started. Together let's really make a difference. 
Can there be anything more important than this? But let's let's also have fun, make friends, and share ideas. Today is the first day toward a better life for you, our great great grandchildren. Let us be the Genesis people and restore and renew our beautiful global home. There's so much pollution in the air now that if it weren't for our lungs, there'd be no place to put it all. Written by Robert Orban. 24th of August, 2017. Good morning, dear great-great-grandchildren. I've just got up. The house is unusually quiet. Normally, our two youngest, Jaunty and Rosie, are about and we know it. This morning, I am confronted by David on his hands and knees, clearing up a mess made by one of our two of our lovely old dogs. Which one was it? We will never know. They cover for each other in situations such as this. Not a guilty look on either of their faces. Rafa is a chocolate Labrador, and the other is Millie, a border collie. They were both rescued, and as a family, we love them dearly. They are funny and very companionable. Right now, as I sit here writing, they are both at my feet. We suspect that Rafa has committed the offence. Not because he has owned up in any way, but because we know that all he does all day at the moment is eat all the fallen apples off the many apple trees in the garden. They are falling at the moment, faster than we can gather them up, and he is faster than any of us. Poor chap. Must have a very achy tummy at present. Typical Labrador. They're permanently hungry. This was a deliberate breeding intervention to enable this particular breed of dog to be used for hunting and to be of use to man, regardless of the lasting effects of the animal and its comfort. As I look up, they are oblivious to what I am writing about them. They are nuzzled up to each other and content. We expect nothing from them but companionship. They have a job which they happily offered. They tell us if anyone approaches the house. The best house alarms one could have. So where was I? I was wondering, as our households start to wake up, how many there are of you. Are big families still allowed, I wonder? The population of the world today is 7.5 billion which is the estimate by the World Health Organization, who, and rising. Some countries, such as China, have brought in schemes limiting one child per household, which brought down the Chinese population a bit, but caused a lot of heartache, and many households just wanted boys. There was, in the 1990s, the scandal of the dying rooms, where unwanted baby girls were left to die. China no longer have this law. I like to think that the Genesis People movement was successful and that you are now enjoying life as God intended, a beautiful, unspoilt world redeemed from the carnage of wars, over-extraction of all that it offers, recognising that Earth is, as Andy Atkins puts it, our unique home, complex and varied. It is only the combination of distance from the sun and the atmosphere that makes it possible to live on Earth. Wherever you go on Earth, man has left his mark. 
Every day the newspapers report the devastation that plastics bring about on the planet marine life. Dying, beach whale stomachs full of supermarket shopping bags and other flotsam and jetsam dumped by man. When you read this, I hope things have changed so much that you are incredulous and unbelieving that this could ever have been so. Man has left his mark everywhere. I read somewhere that someone once said in anger that man is like a cancer on the face of this beautiful world. This world that God said in Genesis was good. What on earth have we done? What we fail to realise is that we remain totally dependent upon the environment and whatever we do to our planet, the earth will strike back. James Lovelock, a professor at Oxford University, foresaw this back in the 70s with his book, The Gaia Hypothesis. He says that if we gave up eating beef, we would have roughly 20 to 30 times more land for food than we do now. I hope you, my great-grandchildren, have listened to that advice. The book is a very good read and caused quite a stir at the time, and yet people still sleepwalked to the edge of the extinction. Everyone in the household is up now. Where I am sitting in the music room working on this, I can hear the breakfast clamour, mostly cereal and cornbread, with either peanut butter, hummus or marmite. We eat so much hummus that I have for some time made my own using one part tahini paste, that's sesame paste, and two parts chickpeas with lemon juice, garlic and liberal amounts of virgin olive oil seasoned to taste. I sometimes add turmeric or herbs or toasted pine nuts, although pine nuts are becoming very expensive now, partly because they are tedious to produce. The children still have a glass of cow's milk, or calf's milk, as David calls it. We watched a very distressing programme called What the Health on Netflix. If you want to be convinced once and for all that the vegan way of life is the way we were intended to live, then watch this programme. There is some footage of calves being dragged away from their mothers straight after birth. The mother cow is unbelievably distressed as her newborn is dragged away by a rope tied around its ankle. How can this be right? The programme is full of no-nonsense, calmly delivered facts using footage by experts in their field. The evidence is stacked up against the consumption of animal parts and products used as food for humans. Many of the major diseases that mankind is fighting today appear to be related to a carnivore's highly processed food diet. Heart disease, diabetes, strokes, etc. We sat through this programme and David, who I would describe as a cautious, not easily convinced sceptic, much to my amazement, slapped his hands down upon his thighs and announced, that's it, I'm becoming a vegan. Now I must let you into one of David's secrets. Initially, he did this for purely selfish, not selfish reasons, to control his cholesterol intake in one fell swoop. He has subsequently read that the amount of cholesterol one eats plays little part or no part in how much bad cholesterol one's body produces, but he is now nevertheless keeping 
with a vegan diet for animal welfare and planetary reasons. Let me tell you more about David. He is a very talented individual. His daytime job is as a social worker for Sue Ryder Hospice, working in palliative care and end-of-life provision. He also runs mindfulness classes for daycare patients and at home he is a devoted father and partner and poet. He has written several books of poetry. He plays the guitar and writes songs. He has written songs for all of us. When he has time, he paints. In fact, we all do. We have a summer house in the garden we use as a studio. Sadly, it has been ignored and neglected for a while, something we are going to change as we embrace more fully our chosen way of life. When I was about 19 years old, I had a T-shirt. It was black and emblazoned on the front with the words, Tread lightly upon the earth, my child. I didn't think at the time too much about its meaning. It was just a cool thing to wear then. I suppose this would be about when the environmental movement first kicked off. Now I think about those words a lot and try to follow that advice. We're trying to slow up the pace of our lives as a family. It helps that we already homeschool our children. I was a teacher in my career and we have been homeschooling for the last five years. The eldest were in a large school and being seriously bullied. I'm sure the school did the best they could to control it. They told us we have zero tolerance on bullying. But when Marshall came home with a blow to the head, we visited the school and complained, only to be told they could restrict his play area but could not staff the large green field that was used by the pupils at break times. After a lot of discussion as a family, we decided homeschooling was the way forward. I swallowed hard and thought, there goes my freedom, and most of my friends felt sorry for me. There would be no more shopping trips, lunches out, and coffee mornings. Little did I know the joys that were waiting. Teaching one's own children is so wonderfully fulfilling. We informed the education department that we would be home educating and were given a home elective education officer who would visit us on a yearly basis. We have always had good reports and have a good relationship with him. The joys of home education are never ending. The obvious benefits of going from classes of 30 where pretty much nobody learns and the children feel nobody cares although in John's case everybody tried very hard <coughs> to get him to read. It was just staffing and time, and he clearly needed a one-to-one, or as it turned out for us, a one-to-two. We thought there may be serious problems. Sadly, he didn't appear to be making any progress at all at school. If you cannot read, you will not be able to learn anything. You won't be able to spell or develop knowledge or research or anything which facilitates learning. He has now blossomed and loves to read, which is enabling him to develop in many other ways. The happiness quota in our homeschool classes is high. A mother understands her children. She will quickly pick up when one of them has not understood the lesson and will rescue them, making sure no gaps are left behind. We buy in some of our tutors 
to be precise, maths, classics and Latin. The rest of the subjects I teach. David does fun science experiments with them and philosophy. He also does some social science and accompanies us on our many and varied educational visits, which always turn into a family fun day out. One of our visiting tutors, when she first started teaching the little ones, math, found there were huge gaps in what Rosie knew and understood, in spite of the fact that her health is so robust that she never had more than two or three days of school. However, part of our life's philosophy has got to be to only learn from the past and not to dwell on it. There is much to do and look at. What has come out of it? We are now homeschooling our beloved children. It is such a privilege. Rosie is now doing very well. Let me tell you about our lovely Rosie. <clears throat> she is a delightful child, whom we love dearly. She can be very amusing as well. Recently, she has been deliberately changing her vowel sounds. It is as she has been inventing a new and mysterious language. For instance, cornbread has become cornbread. At first, David and I tried to correct her, but decided it was much too much effort for her to do it, that it would surely eventually play itself out and stop. David and I have tried to do what she does, speak in the same curious way, <clears throat> and it's very difficult, particularly to sustain it as she does. We reckon she will eventually get fed up with doing it and stop. In the meantime, it is a great attention-seeking device, so lots more cuddles and the habit is best ignored.